Good morning, everybody. Paul is near the end of his letter to the Philippians, which he addressed to the saints in Philippi. Not famous people to be immortalised in stained glass windows, of course, but just ordinary Christian believers. In our passage, we have some well-known verses which we love. But how are they connected? How do they relate to the rest of the letter? Or are they just random thoughts? Well, chapter 4 starts with a therefore. So, what is it therefore? Let's look back at the end of chapter 3. Paul has just contrasted two ways of living from chapter 3.19. For, as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So, some live as enemies of the cross. They live for the moment for pleasure, with their minds set on earthly things like money, fame, having a nice home, or being important in some way. Paul says their glory is in their shame. They flaunt wrong behaviour. As Paul wrote in Romans 1, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Christians or saints should be radically different. Our focus is on the future, on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one to whom the future belongs. So chapter 4 goes straight on from that thought. Stand firm like that. Keep that focus on Jesus. Anticipate his reign joyfully and live appropriately. Today is All Saints Day and we turn our thoughts to those who've gone before us in the faith. A grand procession of followers of Jesus who down the centuries have kept the faith, trusting in Christ for forgiveness and new life. They are cheering us as we journey on, especially as we approach the end of our lives, faithful to our Lord. So what does that appropriate life look like for those who follow Jesus? First, it looks like a loving family. Dear friends, brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, says Paul. I wonder if, like me, you've been loving and longing for your church family over the months when we could not meet. Perhaps you still do if you're not yet able to come to church. On October the 18th, when we had the first service since March, I looked around with great joy and affection at all who were gathered in the building. And I thought with love and longing of those who were not able to be there. Paul has a special connection to the Philippian church. He calls them his joy and crown. Secondly, we're to be a reconciled family. Like any family, the church sometimes has squabbles. Euodia and Sintichi, or odious and soon touchy as some have called them, had fallen out. We don't know what happened, 
Perhaps it was a row about serving coffee or something trivial. Perhaps it was more serious. Probably each of them thought there was a principle at stake, because that's often how it is when we fall out with someone. Perhaps both thought the other should apologise first. The church in Philippi started with women, as we read in Acts 16, and these two seem to have been key players. Their disagreement would be unsettling to the church, and if people started to take sides, it might even threaten to cause a split. Paul certainly thought it serious enough that he made an appeal to them in a public letter to the whole church. Be of the same mind, he writes. It just won't do to allow such squabbles to remain unresolved. The bitterness can spread and lead to disharmony in the church, and that will bring shame on the Lord and make us ineffective in sharing the good news. Paul begs his true companion or yoke fellow to help sort this out because both women have worked with Paul in the gospel. Well, we don't know who the suggested peacemaker was. Perhaps Paul means the pastor of the church. If you have two friends who've fallen out, do whatever you can to help them see each other's point of view. Notice Paul is not questioning the genuineness of their faith. He knows that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But even genuine believers sometimes struggle with relationships. I've done my share of falling out with people in the past. I have learned, I hope, that it's more important to make peace than to win the argument, especially if the issue is not about the message we preach. Even if I'm right, I may have an unloving attitude which puts me in the wrong. Let's learn to be the first to apologise for whatever part we have played in a quarrel, however small. That's the part for which God holds me accountable. The other person is responsible for their part. It is not my job to make them aware of it. And often a genuine apology for my part of the problem results in the other person apologising too. But even if not, God sees my heart and I live to him. Thirdly, our Christian life is to look like keep calm and carry on, albeit with a twist. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I wonder how you've come through these difficult months. Has your life been increasingly marked by joy and gentleness and a sense of God's presence? Have you found your anxiety soothed by prayer and determined thanksgiving? Have you known the peace of God guarding your heart and mind in Christ Jesus? We have privileged access to God's presence. He invites us to lean on him. Let's carry on doing that more and more. Perhaps we should say, keep praying and carry on. Fourthly, the Christian life should look positive. Think about good things. And this links to prayer and thanksgiving. We must see the good in our own lives and in each other. Let's refuse to dwell on negatives. Let's avoid bemoaning the restrictions we live under. Let's not feel sorry for ourselves. 
Let's stop wishing things were different and embrace what is good. The sun still shines, the flowers still grow. We have food and shelter and much more than we need. We have a dear saviour and friend who is with us all the way. So as the people of God who are waiting for Jesus to return, what kind of life are we to live? We're to live as a loving family, a reconciled family, a family that keeps praying and celebrating all that is positive and enjoys God's peace. Today, we also remember that we're a worldwide family with a long history. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. <laughs>